This is Your Money with Nancy Snedden, the BDO, Licensed Insolvency Trustees. The views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of this station. Your Money with Nancy Snedden, the BDO, on VOCM. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Your Money with Nancy Snedden. I am Nancy Snedden. Thanks so much for tuning in today. On today's show, serving so mental health and money problems are often intricately linked. And that is what we're going to talk about today, how mental health affects financial wealth. So joining me to discuss this and offer advice on how you can not only be aware of the connection between the two, but how through awareness, you can avoid making money mistakes. She's a self-proclaimed budget warrior, a professional speaker, financial wellness educator, financial blogger, and finance journalist who contributes regularly to rates.ca. As well, her articles have appeared in the Globe and Mail, Young and Thrifty, Refinery29, and Best Health Magazine. Zandale Chuanza, welcome to Your Money. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. But before we get started, would you mind sharing a little bit with our listeners more about yourself and how you got your start in the world of finance? Sure. So as that intro mentioned, I am a personal finance journalist. I actually currently freelance full-time. And my main niche is to talk about how money and mental health are connected. But my story began in university when I came to Canada as an international student. I had no idea what I was doing with my money, but I was responsible for myself. And I learned a lot about how to manage money, basically how to make a dollar, as she said during that time. And um, one of the last classes I took in my journalism studies was a personal finance course. And the professor infamously gave us a test on personal finance in Canada, to which I came last in class. But there was a twist with that specific class. And the person who came last got the prize. And the prize was a book which a lot of Canadians are familiar with, which is The Wealthy Barber. Um, and history. As a journalist, I was far too curious about all things personal finance for a very long time. But I only started applying the things that I learned once I realized that I needed to immigrate officially to Canada. So I needed to apply for permanent residency. And in order to do that, I had to pay off my tuition. And so I really knew I needed to get my life in order. And through all the ups and downs, I started documenting my journey on Instagram and on Twitter and a lot of people started commenting and saying how much they um, identify with the things that I was speaking about and yeah as they say the rest is history. Yeah it's funny right how we land in in different areas you start on one path and you end up really focusing on another it happens so often to many of us right but let's Let's talk about the focus of the show now. So how mental health affects financial wealth. And I've talked about that on the show uh, at least so many times, right? How stress and anxiety and, and it's all interconnected with our, our finances. And we know that Financial Planning Canada does its annual financial stress survey that speaks to this. And as well, several other surveys talk about it. But let's talk about those first. So the latest SP Canada Financial Stress Index reveals more than one third at 38% of Canadians say money Money is their biggest concern, outranking personal health, which was 21%, work, which was 19%, and relationships, which was 18%. The survey also shows that one in three at 35% say financial stress is leading to anxiety, depression, or other mental health issues. 
And a recent mental health index report from Telus Health shows those concerned about affordability and those struggling with overwhelming debt have significantly lower well-being scores than those who felt financially secure. And if you think this is something only Canadians are struggling with, then think again, because the study released last week by Bankrate found money is a significant cause of stress for most Americans as well. More than half, in fact, at 52%, say money is having a negative impact on their mental health. And of those impacted, more than four in five at 82% say feelings of stress, anxiety, worrisome thoughts, loss of sleep, depression, etc. So another recent study by the Money and Mental Health Policy Institute out of the UK shows people with problem debt are significantly more likely to experience mental health problems. Half at 46% of those with problem debt experience mental health issues, with nearly 9 in 10 of those people admitting their financial situation had made their mental health problems worse. So then we can certainly these are concerning statistics. So let's talk a little bit more about the results. What's your response or reaction when you hear these survey results? Well, I'm not surprised. I'm I'm not surprised. I think that it's good to see that people are becoming more aware of the fact that our money problems or financial stress literally contribute to our overall wellness our overall well-being. Um, I think the conversation with mental health has been growing over the years, and now Canadians, at least, and people, as, as you noted in the last survey, all over the world have started to, to realize that their financial stress is impacting them in ways that maybe they're not familiar with, right? So I'll go to the first stress um, index that the SP Canada releases. I think one thing to note is that when you're thinking about your well-being, right, a lot of the things that people recommend that we do, such as eat better, um, work out, um, spend time with friends and family, or buy this or buy that, a lot of those things actually require money (laughs) or they require time off work. So what happens when someone pays all their bills and doesn't have anything left over after that? It can easily lead to very negative emotions when it comes to work. As well as the fact that with the pandemic, a lot of people experience emotions that they haven't experienced before. So even let's say if you're making a lot of money during the pandemic, you may not have had very positive reaction to that because you might not know what to do with that money and as a result you might be underspending or not investing or not really knowing what to do with that money um so i'd say initially i'm definitely not surprised and i'd love to see even more studies like this come out so that people are able to understand and identify where exactly this financial stress is coming from yeah it's interesting right because you're talking about it from a couple of different perspectives so Mm -hmm. you know a lot of the surveys are looking at it from the perspective of, you know, people being worried about their financial situation or the, the debt load that they're carrying. But it's interest, interesting that you're also looking at the perspective of maybe you're not carrying a lot of debt or maybe your debt is manageable, but you're not really sure how to handle your finances. And that can also impact your mental health. So what else can you tell us about the connection between mental health and financial wealth? 
Well, first of all, the like we've established, there's definitely a connection. And I think one of the main things to note is that if you have any mental health condition or if you have been suffering lately from an insurmountable amount of debt or stress, then it can lead to severe consequences. So it's not the same for everyone, but I know for myself, for example, I share quite often how my own anxiety leads to me the urge of me overspending and I have to put certain barriers in place in order for that to not affect or impact my finances overall but if you're not aware right and you're just listening to radio shows listening to podcasts and reading blogs and folks are telling you you have to save this amount of your paycheck every month and you're not doing that you often lead to, to blaming yourself so there's a lot of blame in the community right and a lot of shame right but what I'm trying to encourage people to understand is that you have to identify what triggers you to spend, what triggers you to overspend. And once you understand those links, then you'll be able to understand your own spending patterns and you'll be able to make better and more informed decisions. Because the more you know, the better you'll be able to understand yourself. Every single person is different, but generally speaking, if you're spending a lot as a way to self then that's definitely a red flag. And if you feel like you're already depressed and you want to spend even more to make yourself feel better, then that's usually also another red flag. So I think speaking about the connection is definitely just acknowledging first that it exists. Um, and I think we'll talk probably later more about how you can identify some of these things, but it is completely normal. It's not something that should be swept under the rug. Yeah, it's funny, right? Sometimes we um, make light of, of that, not realizing. I think we're not intentionally making light of it when we say, oh, my gosh, I've had such a hard week or, you know, I'm not feeling uh, great. My mood is not great. I'm, I need some retail therapy, right? Yeah. And you say it kind of in jest, but it, it is the way that people sort of do self-soothe, right? And and as long as you're doing it in moderation or you're doing it uh, within the reason of what you have in your budget to spend, but to your point, it can often lead to overspending, which then, of course, it, it becomes a hamster wheel, right? It leads to even more money issues, which then can lead to even more stress. So I think, as Emily, like you're saying, it's important to be aware of the connection in the two. But, you know, when you have that awareness, how can you overcome these challenges and avoid making these money mistakes? Right. Like, like I've been saying, it's definitely depends on the individual but I think overall the first step is always awareness if you don't know what's wrong then there's no way that you're going to be able to fix it you might put some band-aid solutions over there but essentially you're going to keep repeating the same mistake I certainly did that for a very long time um, but I'd say after awareness it would be just slowing down like take a step to record all of your transactions or to look back at the, your transactions for the last three to six months, right? And literally look at that statement and say, where was I when I made this purchase? How did I feel? What was happening? What was going on? And once you sort of take that step back, you'll be able to understand, oh, I had just had a fight with my partner. Yeah. Or 
I just got a really upsetting news or email. Or, you know, there's so many different circumstances. So I think understanding that sometimes our bodies have a response that might not be what is in our control. But the minute you, you understand that this could just be my stress, this could be my financial anxiety, this could be a depression, whatever it is that's going on, then you'll be able to make even more informed decision. And you can go into examples for each kind of like condition or symptoms that we, we can talk about. But it's definitely, again, understanding what makes you spend will always be one of the best ways to overcome a spending problem or addiction. Yeah, no, that, that's so important, right? Awareness is, a, is an important first step, right? And I think um, once you're aware, you can look for ways to reduce that financial stress, reduce the anxiety, that's part of it. But then the way is going to have some tips around that when we come back. Please stay with us. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money. I'm your host, Nancy Snedden, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada right here in Newfoundland and Labrador. Joining me is Zandale Chuanza. She's a financial wellness educator, finance journalist, and financial blogger. So before the break, we were talking about the connection between financial stress and mental stress and how these two really are truly connected. So Zandale, let's focus now on some advice for our listeners, tips that will really help them reduce that financial stress and therefore the mental stress and vice versa. I know I speak with clients all the time about budgeting, but in your opinion, does that really help? Definitely. I think budgets are super important. It's probably one of the foundations of personal finance. And one of the things that all personal finance experts can agree on. And um, people say different things all the time across different platforms. You know, you have your social media, you have um, traditional journalists, you have... um, yeah, the, the, even the government of Canada has an extensive site on personal finance. And one thing we all agree on is budgeting. So I definitely think that that will always help when it comes to alleviating financial stress. Absolutely. And I agree you need to budget. I think in some respects, um, that word for some people carries a negative connotation. So sometimes reframing it and calling it cash management plan or spending plan or, or something like that can can change the feelings that people have about putting that budget together. Um, would you agree with that? Like, what are your thoughts on the word budget versus calling calling it something else and the impact that that has on people's uh, thought process? I think you can call it whatever you want. Um, I think when you look at the definition of budget in the dictionary, it is not negative. It is basically describing a spending plan. However, I understand that language matters. So, for example, for myself, I know I don't like saying emergency fund. I'd rather say no worries fund, and that helps me. So I would never tell someone to stop doing something that... um, that impacts them, but I will say that sometimes avoiding <laughs> avoidance is actually a symptom of something else. So um, I don't think people are really afraid of the word budget. I think they're actually just afraid to tackle their finances. Like they're afraid to look at what's coming in and what's going out at the end of the day. But yeah, I think I call it, call it whatever you like. As long as you're tracking your income and your expenses, then you're good. 
Yeah, you just want to make sure you're not getting that overspending pattern or, you know, supplementing your income with credit that can get you uh, in trouble uh, if you continue to do that, right? But I guess regardless of what we call it, it's important, though, that when you're doing your budget, right, in order to make sure that you're focusing on that sort of um, mental and financial well-being and bringing those two together and working in unison, that you're also budgeting for things you enjoy, right? You want to make sure that in your budget there's things that are actually going to bring you pleasure. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's something that I definitely encourage as well um, with my clients and readers. Is I call it a whatever you want fund. Um, each month, regardless of, of income, I have always managed to put aside some money for something that I want to do um, rather than all the needs. Because if you take that all or nothing approach, that's likely to cause binge spending. Um, so I think I have stuck to my budget more now that I've incorporated a little fun funds for myself. If I go and finish it in one day, then that's my business. But um, if I can make it stretch, then even better. But the point is to just sort of build that muscle for a little bit of fun as well as for saving and, and keeping that balance. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more on that, to be honest. I think it's so important, right? And I think that helps people think more positively about their finances in general, right? Because I think some of the negative connotations that come with budgeting is that, you know, it's about the the needs as opposed to the wants. And although you do need to make sure that your needs are covered, right, like your rent, your groceries, like all that stuff, but it is important to make sure that you're you're putting things aside for yourself. So, Dendley, what are some budgeting tips that can assist people with avoiding the negative outcomes of overspending? So I think I've written quite a lot about this topic and there's so many ways, but I think, again, like we said, if you know you have a problem with spending a lot online, for example, so your habit is to go online, go on online shopping sites and just add to cart, add to cart, and then you actually go through with it, put some barriers in place that will limit the extent of overspending. So one thing is definitely removing your credit cards from online because that's just way too easy. I think I've abandoned purchases when the card is in my wallet in another room. So don't make it so easy for yourself. I think start small and that's a really quick, easy, free thing that you can do right away. I think you can also unsubscribe from email newsletters that encourage you to spend. Um, when you need to buy something and you've already budgeted for it, you can sign up again and then you'll be able to see when there's a sale to get that set thing. Like, there's no rule about unsubscribing and subscribing to mailing lists. You can do so as many times as you need for your mental health. Another good way, and this is something that a fellow financial coach, um, Parveen Mander, suggested to me, is to create an account and label it mental health. You can literally put aside money when you know that you are having a episode, whether it's a depressive episode, whether you're having just had an anxiety attack, or however your mental health impacts you. So if you follow the steps that we spoke about before, which is tracking your spending, understanding where your triggers are, you can create an account, you label it mental health, and you only touch that 
account on days like this where you know you are spending to self-soothe and you don't want to impact your savings, investments, and other accounts. So I think if you know that you're currently dealing with mental health problems, this is a really great account to use that is separate from all your other accounts and you know you're not doing as much damage. I think another really good way, and again, this, the name, I had never heard this name until I spoke to Pauline, but it's something that I do all the time. So consider implementing a step-down purchase. For me, right, the act of spending is what is self-soothing. It doesn't actually matter what it is. Sometimes, like the other day, I saw myself spending a lot of money on food. Like I went from Starbucks to another place to another place, right? And it was definitely giving me relief in the moment, even though I didn't really want to have all of those things. So rather than me going and spending money, hundreds of dollars at a clothing store that I know I can't afford at this moment, I will rather say, okay, I'm feeling this way, so let me go and get something that almost emulates the same feeling, as close as I can get it. So for me, that's going to be a $7 Starbucks drink, right? It's not something that I have all the time, but I still consider it a treat. For other people, it might be completely different. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm sure the, the listeners would love to hear maybe something that you consider a, a sit-down purchase. Yeah, I think that's a really great point, right? So maybe if you're someone who does that retail therapy and, you know, you go out and, and you've been known to, to buy full outfits or several outfits or, you know, whatever the case may be, finding one thing, maybe it's an, a small accessory, right? Or right, a shirt right. instead of a full outfit, like that sort of, to your point, that step down, right? So you're still getting that, I don't know, I guess maybe adrenaline or make, or something that makes you feel better, but you're not uh, overspending in the same way. So instead of adding those five items to your cart, to your point earlier on online shopping, you may be adding one item to your cart and being mindful of uh, of that purchase. I really like that. Well, Zandley, I think, you know, sticking to the budget or spending plan, it's a great way uh, to avoid the added stress of overspending. But I think to your point in the first segment, it's really, really important to be aware of the why, because if you can identify the root causes of your spending behavior, you're going to be able to put some of these things into practice. So we're going to talk about some tips on that when we come back. Please stay with us. Every Saturday is perfect for a night at the cabin. The Cabin Party with Brian O'Connell. Saturday night starting at 7 p.m. on VOCM. Welcome back to Your Money. I'm Nancy Snedden, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada right here in Newfoundland and Labrador. My guest today is Zandale Chawanza. She's a financial wellness educator, financial journalist, and financial blogger. So we've been talking about the connection between mental health and financial wealth and how financial stress really can have an impact on mental wellness. So we talked a little bit, um, Zandale, in the last segment about the importance importance of budgeting and how, you know, you, you tip, you've shared some tips, I guess, on how people can avoid the negative outcomes of overspending. But we talked in the first segment that sometimes in order to avoid that, it's really important to be aware of the why you're doing it, right? To really identify the root causes of that spending behavior. So what advice do you have for listeners on doing this? What, what tips are, are focused, I guess, on that why? What listeners can use to help move them forward financially? 
Right. So we definitely want you to understand your spending habits that we discussed. Because if you want to change those behaviors, you have to understand what's happening. So like I said, very quickly, try writing down every purchase you've made over a certain period of time. Record those circumstances and reflect on this, right? And also reflect on your own beliefs, your own values about money. Not your next door neighbors, not, you know, everybody else. Just what exactly is it that you believe and what is important to you so that you can prioritize what you want to spend your money on. Um, And then it'll also help you understand why you make certain decisions when it comes to your money. And when you are in a state of poor mental health, it's really difficult to make any decision, such as, you know, even getting up, brushing your teeth and stuff like that. So you need to make sure you've already identified your why so that you're able to look back on that and then make a more informed decision. I think recognizing your spending triggers is also important if you want to break the cycle of overspending. When you pay attention to what's happening emotionally, then you'll notice that, okay, this behavior will trigger me to overspend. So, for example, maybe drinking can trigger you to to, um, make rash or impulse decisions. So you might want to take cash when you go out rather than taking your card so that you're not overspending. Again, once you understand the why, the motivation, you can begin to order your habits more and understand what's happening. I think a really big thing too is replacing shopping with different coping mechanisms because at the end of the day, we're all craving certain things. So it might just be that you need a different type of dopamine to solve food and that can be completely different for everybody. Like some people are working out, laughing, listening to music. Um, again, do a bit of research on ways to release dopamine and then try and replace that with shopping and see how you go with that. Yeah, finding those different things and especially now, you know, we're getting into spring and summer, you know, having a friend or family member and going for a walk and catching up with them, right? And talking about the positive things that are that are happening uh, in each other's lives. Like that can sometimes take take your mind into that better place, right? And and especially like I said, when the sun is shining. For me, I know if I get up and the sun is shining, I'm in a better place already. So yes, <laughs> happy to see yeah, happy to see the spring and summer weather coming. So there's also, as Andy, I think no doubt that, you know, FOMO or the fear of missing out is definitely contributing to mental stress and financial strain for many people. So the recent Scotiabank Worry Survey actually shows that Canadians spending an average of 15 hours a week worrying about their finances. And overall, one in four Canadians at 26% are so stressed about their finances that they're losing sleep over it. So Gen Z, Millennials, and Gen Xers are significantly more stressed about their finances than boomers. And women seem to be more stressed about their finances than men, 26% versus 20%. Another survey, another sign, I guess, of the impact of mental health and financial wellness and, and the impact of financial well-being on our health. So how concerned should we be to see that so many younger Canadians are stressed about their finances? 
And I guess there's no doubt that the fear of missing out, especially the impacts that social media and stuff have, have an impact on that, right? Right. I mean, I'll speak for millennials. We spend a lot of time online, right? Whether that is to do with work, whether that is in our personal time, especially if you work from home. You can spend a lot of time online, and those are all realities that have been curated, that have been created. But it's what you're seeing all the time. So if I'm seeing that everybody's a homeowner, everybody's going on vacation, everybody seems to be doing well, I'm going to be worried because I'm looking at my bank account and I'm saying, that's not really my reality, right? And people aren't necessarily honest about their financial situation online. I'll also talk about the personal finance community in general. When you have financial influencers that are telling you what to do, right, but you don't really know their income, you don't really know like their history when it comes to their money. So you might think that, why am I not in that position, right? So there's a lot of comparison happening. Not putting blame on either party, but I think it's normal because, like I said, we're spending a lot of time online. So, therefore, we're comparing ourselves, right? So I think the stress that is coming, especially for younger people, so I'll say Gen Z as well, they've grown up with this internet, right? With the Instagram, with TikTok now, and they're seeing people their age getting designer bags or or again, going on vacation or doing things that they might not have the money for. So it's natural to ask yourself, why can't I do that? And that will then get you into a cycle of stress and worry because you're wondering why you can't afford to do certain things, right? Even though you might be doing your best to, um, your best to, with your finances. But I will say that um, I took a course called the Trauma of Money. And in that course, we are taught that it's not just financial, which you see that impacts your overall relationship with money. And one of the big things that impacts our relationship with money is society. So when it comes to FOMO, it's been happening for a very long time. We used to say things like keeping up with the Joneses. People still say it now, but I mean, that was sort of the idea, keeping up with the Joneses. And now everyone's sort of talking about social media a lot and how it contributes to FOMO. But again, these are things that definitely impact our relationship with money. And we definitely make decisions that will cause us to overspend if we want to gain social approval, if we have low self-esteem. There's a lot of pressure to maintain a certain lifestyle. So I'm not surprised by, by the Social Bank Worry Survey. Yeah, it's so true, right? That everyone has heard that phrase, keeping up with the Joneses. But I think now more than ever, it's... It's, I guess, more common than ever to overspend to gain that social approval because everyone is putting their life on social media. But I think social media is just one aspect, right? It's definitely something um, for those younger generations that they're they're part of and use more regularly. But there's also regular media and even reality TV, right, that can have an impact on people overspending. Like just if I think about those home renovation shows, for example, and you know, interest rates have been so low for so long but now they're starting to climb so all that stuff has an impact I think on people's finances and then the stress that they feel as a result of those finances so then what advice can you share with listeners on overcoming or even avoiding that FOMO and that need to keep up 
Yeah, so I'm glad you mentioned um, media as well, because that's a big part of it. I think, um, again, mentioning the course I took, we also watched a video where we understood how capitalism contributes to trauma, right? So all these advertisements that you're seeing, the messages that you're seeing that say, if you're this type of person, you need to spend on this. And they're paid to make you spend money. So even down to the gym that you're you might feel like you need to go to a more expensive gym because this is the kind of person that you are in society and you want to be seen going to that specific gym, right? So it starts with what we discussed earlier, which is identifying your why, your purpose, your values. What does that look like for you? Because once you understand those things, you might feel a type of way if you saw something on social media, but it will not cause you to overspend because you understand that you have a purpose, you have your own priorities, and while someone else might be able to be doing that, you know that you are saving for something else, for example. Um, It also looks like you said, having that whatever you want fun, so that if you do want to um, do something that is kind of out of spontaneity, you have the funds to do so, you're not taking from other places that you shouldn't be, like such as your savings account. Also, I will say when it comes to reality TV and even the news, I think a good way to avoid FOMO is also to limit your exposure to certain things. Maybe start watching things that actually make you feel better about yourself and not worse about yourself. I know it can be hard. I am a huge fan of reality TV. Um, I also used to be a huge fan of YouTube hosts, for example. But I understand now that watching people buy all these clothes over and over again and me feeling like I need them was a farce. It's not true. I don't need those things. So I stopped watching them. I only watch them when I need to buy something and I need someone to review that said thing. So I think limiting your exposure to some of the stuff online will also help you because it's not healthy to to have that exposure 24-7. No, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Like, you really need to go back to that awareness, right? What is causing the behavior? What are the things you're doing that could could be contributing to this and and making a conscious effort to, to make some changes there? And, you know, that's what we've been talking about, that, you know, having that awareness is important. And I think with all these surveys and all the stories that are out in media now connecting mental health with financial well-being it's great right because we're raising that awareness and I think we're doing that with the show today as well but for those who are struggling it's important to know where to turn for help so we're going to get into that when we come back please stay with us weekday mornings from 5 30 to 9 jumpstart your day with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy newsmakers traffic weather and more during your VOCM morning show welcome back you're listening to your money here on VOCM I'm your host, Nancy Sneddon, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada right here in Newfoundland and Labrador. My guest is Zandalay Chuanza. She's a financial wellness educator, finance journalist, and financial blogger. And we've been talking today about how mental health affects financial wealth. And as you've been hearing, there's a direct link between the two, and one definitely impacts the other. So, Zandalay, you've shared some great advice with our listeners about the importance of finding balance between these two, but we know there's many who are struggling to reach this on their own and for them it's really important to know that there are professionals who can help as well 
But surveys show that Canadians are reluctant to reach out to a professional. And one recent survey shows consumers would rather give up eating out, skip a vacation, or even give up coffee forever rather than meet with a professional to address their debt. So how do you feel about that? Um, I mean, again, no hate to anyone in the financial services industry, but I completely understand. I think, unfortunately, sometimes professionals can feel like it is a space that you are going to be judged. And if people haven't addressed their debt or addressed their financial issues themselves and they don't understand what's going on, they can feel a lot of shame and guilt. So going to a professional will be admitting that there is something wrong. So I think we normalize people going to the hospital if they have a broken leg or something like that. But when it comes to asking for help or admitting that you've made a mistake, it can be really difficult to do that. So I'm not surprised that people will avoid seeking a professional. I will say that a lot of the professionals have been um, taking courses and becoming more mindful about compassionate ways to help people overcome their money issues. Um, but I think there is still a lot of work to be done in that area. So I think as a consumer or somebody that has no idea what they're doing, it will be intimidating to see a professional or reach out to someone that can help. And again, sometimes that's just a personal feeling. It's not necessarily to do with the, the professional either. Like sometimes it's just embarrassing. How did I get to this place? How did I let this happen? Like a lot of shame comes into it, I think. I couldn't agree with you more. And everything you just said, I've heard from a client or multiple clients right over the years. Mm. They, they come in and they say, you know, I thought things would change. I should have come to see you a year ago or two years ago, mm. right? I didn't realize that, it, that this process would be so easy, right? And, and I've just been yeah. on that hamster wheel hoping things would change. I hear people all the time say, I'm so embarrassed to be sat here, right? Mm -hmm. And certainly um, talking about the shame of I'm not not sure how I've, I got myself into this situation and you know 90% of the time when people are sat in front of me it's you know it's not because you know they can't um, get necessarily control over their finances or they're frequent overspenders or you know they've done they've had a, a history of frivolous spending that's gotten them into the situation there's usually some sort of life event right it's you know they they lost a portion of their income or, or lost their job or they had a health issue or, um, you know, other things like interest rates now and inflation, right? So the, we were seeing record levels of inflation. So that was outside of everybody's control, right? So for those who are living paycheck to paycheck, you know, they didn't do anything to cause that inflation. They're just no longer able to afford the things that they, they could before and they were already on a tight budget perhaps, right? But I think it's so important to understand that when you come to see someone like me and, and my team, there's absolutely no judgment, right? We're here to help. We're here to show you a path forward to relieve that financial stress. So understanding that, uh, you know, professionals are here for a reason and we are here uh, to help. And it's certainly, you know, I can speak for our case at BDO is it absolutely a judgment-free zone. So, Zendali, when researching for the show, I came across a call to action that you initiated, and I thought it was really fitting for the show. So you say, get your mindset and your money right. So can you share the motivation behind this and, and how you've really put that into work for yourself and how our listeners can too? 
Yeah, so over the years, I found that I had read all the books and listened to all the podcasts, and I understood what I needed to get, what I needed to do to get my money right. But it wasn't quite falling into place for me, and it wasn't until I started working on my mental health and my mindset, and then I incorporated what I mean with financial literacy, that everything fell into place for me. And I think... I have done some work with a lot of mental health therapists. Like I mentioned, I also worked with uh, trauma and money. And even with myself, I have to take a compassionate approach when it comes to my mindset and my mental health. Like you mentioned, we're going through a lot right now. The inflation rates, the cost of living is through the roof. And, you know, everybody's going through all sorts of things. And I think for me, that call to action will always bring me back to where I need to be. Anytime I feel like I'm behind, I just look at that call to action and I say, I'm taking care of my mind, I'm taking care of my money, and that's the best that I can do right now. And it will always motivate me to keep going and keep trying and make changes, make adjustments as we go, and um, stick to what's important. Yeah, I love that. It's always nice to have that sort of um, mantra, right, that, that you have in your head that sort of regrounds you and gets you back into that right train, train of thought. And I love that you have mindsets ahead of money, right, because your your mental health has to be your number one priority. But we know, of course, as we've been talking about the entire show, there is that connection to money, right? So you do need to make sure that you're mindful about your financial well-being, but but, um, you know, mental health has, has to come first for sure. And we know that May is Mental Health Awareness Month, right? So it's a great time to be having this discussion. Well, then, Natalie, it's been really great having you on the show today. You've had such great advice for our listeners. We do have some time now for some final thoughts. So if you would like to leave our listeners with a final thought today, what would it be? Yeah, so I just wanted to mention, we spoke a little bit about sort of that hesitancy that folks are having to reach out to a professional. I will say that if you struggle to talk about money, even in your day-to-day life, like with a friend or with a family member, then it's going to be impossible to to reach out to a professional. So I think start at home or start with a friend and just say one thing and see where the conversation goes. Um, I think for me, I had such a healthy conversations about money with all sorts of different people and I've learned so much along the way. I've learned what I want to do with my money, what I definitely don't want to do with my money. But I think just having conversations about money, like we have conversations about so many other things with uh, folks around us, I think is really important. I think that's also another step that you can take if you feel like you're not quite ready to reach out to a professional. And it's not necessarily about advice, it's just about conversation. And I think as we talk about as well for younger people, I think have conversations from very young. So if you're a parent, start having conversations about money with um, your children because that also impacts their relationship with money, right? If your parents never said a word to you about money, you'll think that nobody talks about money, right? So I think understanding and healing from some of those things that have happened to us in the past will definitely help us get our mindset and our money right. So when it comes to final thoughts, I'll just say that if you've 
never felt like you're bad at money. It's just simply not true. Money is a tool that we can all use to make our lives better, to improve our overall health as well. It's good for money to be coming in and it's good for money to be going towards the things that we really care about. So just take that step back and don't judge yourself too much. You maybe didn't know a lot about money at the time or maybe you were doing what you needed to do to survive. It's now the time to take action. We don't know how much worse inflation is going to get. So focus on the things that you can control and just start small. Start with little tasks that you can do right now today to audit your financial habits and then work your way up and put in your calendar. I want to speak with a professional um, in the next quarter about my money and have all this documentation ready and do your research as well because there are organizations out there that will be able to help you um, and it's not always necessarily that they are they want you know what's worked for your finances they also want to see you thrive so there's people online as well on social media that you can reach out to and have conversations with about money and find community so that you're able to feel like you're not alone no absolutely it's so true and you know I'm I'm encouraged by I mean we've always had clients refer family friends co-workers uh, to us you know that have had a good experience to get help but I'm really encouraged by how much that's really ramped up right because I feel like it means that people People are actually reaching out to family, friends, coworkers, talking about it. Like there's an old adage, right? A problem shared is a problem halved. And not to say that talking about your debt or talking about the problems that you're having with money is going to solve the issue, but it can help with that mental health piece, right? And it can help you get on the right path or find the right help uh, to deal with it. And, you know, for myself as a licensed insolvency trustee, I can say that I, I feel that we are the best source for that help because we're regulated by the federal government. It's a free consultation. It's not going to cost you anything to sit and talk to us and get the right advice, uh, whether that's something help that we'll be able to provide or that we can point you in, in a direction to get the help that you need. Well, Vendely, if people wanted to follow you or read your blog or finance articles, what's the best way for them to do that? Right. So at the moment, the best way to find me is to Google my name, Zandile Chiwanza, and you will find my website at www.zandilechiwanza.com. And you will find me at Makarak as well, which is my portfolio, at my name, Zandile Chiwanza, and read my articles. I've written hundreds of articles on personal finance and different um, and different topics on that. So I really appreciate appreciate if you can take some time and go back and read all of those articles that I've read. Um, again, whether you're in debt, whether you're having financial anxiety, whether you are looking to save money, I've written, I've probably written about it. I've also written a lot about insurance. So I would love for folks to go and find my articles. And you can also add me on LinkedIn, Zandile Chiwanza, where I'll be sharing a lot more about my personal journey with my financial anxiety. So uh, please stay tuned. That. That's great. Well, thanks again for joining me today. It's been really great having you on the show. 
And for our listeners out there, um, remember, I always want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question or a topic you'd like me to discuss here on Your Money, you can email me at yourmoney at bdo.ca or give me a call at 800-563-8337. Until next week, I'm Nancy Snedden. Stay safe and be well, everyone. If you have a question or comment, send an email to yourmoney at bdo.ca. This has been Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, Licensed Insolvency Trustees on your VOCM.